Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Morning again. Hey, if, uh, if you're watching online and all of a sudden you see me get completely cut off, it's because they let my wife run the camera today. And I don't know how good I did at Christmas this year, so just listen closely if you need to. <laughs> Focus on my voice today. Today, uh, the message is titled, The Day After Christmas, Hope Remains. Sometimes, I think for most of us, for most believers and even some unbelievers, Christmas season in general and Christmas Day, in general, it's a joyous time. It's a good time. It doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes even for the best of us who know the true meaning of Christmas and understand it, sometimes things don't always work out like they're supposed to. I think uh, I remember one Christmas, I was so excited, got this remote controlled train and we got it all put together, which seemed like it took like all day. And we get it together and you take this liquid smoke and you put it in the train. So when the train went around the track, it would puff. Man, so excited. I'm getting ready to play with that train. That thing broke in five minutes. <laughs> five minutes and this little spoiled boy began to tear up. My dad told me to suck it up. The store's closed. I can't do anything about it. And I'm like, well, Dad, I'm so excited about it. Sometimes it doesn't always work out like we want it to. Christmas is also, it's a difficult time for a lot of people. It's a difficult time. Um, I heard several people say, it's not the same this year for me. It's a little different. If you've lost someone you loved, uh, it changes everything for years to come. This year, um, there, are, there are a lot of people that are sick for all kinds of reasons. Um, I've got, I have two siblings that have spent Christmas in the hospital this year. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are sick. It's not the same for them right now. And, you know, we think about that and we have disappointments. I know um, we were talking last week and we were talking about how the hospitals are full of people right now of all capacities who are sick. And someone else said, you know, also so is the, uh, the psych wards, the mental health parts of the hospitals. They're full of people right now. So there's a difficulty that takes place. Today, I wanted to have us take a picture and a glimpse and go back to the first Christmas. And... I want us to look at Joseph and Mary's life and the baby Jesus and what they went through. And I think sometimes we, we forget that they struggled sometimes to get by. And it wasn't always easy for them. And I think it's just important for us to realize that Jesus came in such a humble way, in such a real way, that he dealt and his family lived under the same umbrellas of life that we do. 
and there's hurts and there's disappointments and things don't go as planned. And when we look at the humanity side of Jesus Christ and his earthly family, I think it'll give us an understanding a little bit different today. So that's my, that's my prayer. Let's uh, turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 21. Let's pray this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we're thankful for this day set aside. As Christmas has passed and it's the day afterwards that we could pull together as a church family and spend some time together. And for those who are turning in, tuning in online, that God, they're taking a moment to pause. And I pray that, Lord, you'll let us get a glimpse of what life might have been like for Joseph and Mary. And that, Lord, we might see some applications in our life and that we might be encouraged to know that just as you were there with them physically, that your hope remains and you live with us today. And you want us to have a joyous life, even when it just doesn't seem like it's possible and we're not alone. So I pray that you'll open up our hearts and our minds. Speak to us today through the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at the text here, before I start reading in verse 21, I want to give you a little bit of background. So the background is what we talked about over Christmas last week. Pastor Dallas has talked about it, our Christmas Eve service. We celebrated the shepherds having the angels appear out of the heavens and sing and praise God and tell them about a Savior being born. And from that point, it says that the shepherds hurried to see the Emmanuel, see the baby. So they went into Bethlehem. And at this point, Joseph and Mary, picture them. Baby Jesus has recently been born, and the baby's lying in a manger, as the angels said. And they went before him, and they bowed, and they worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we pick up now. So now comes the next, the next part we pick up in Scripture. So it made me think about some good friends of Lori and I's, Dave and Denise. I remember this story so clearly. They had their first child. They were so excited. First baby in the family for a long time. And they, get, they leave the hospital. And when you're leaving the hospital with your baby for the first time, everything changes. Everything changes. So they get home. They walk through the door. They take off all these extra things, the baby bags, all the things. And they have the, the baby in a little, like, bassinet car seat. And they set their newborn baby on the couch. And they both step back. And they look at each other. And I'm thinking, oh, it's just going to be a magic moment as they're explaining it. And they look at each other and they go, what do we do now? What do we do now? What's going on? How do we care for a baby of our own? And uh, let's call mom. We need help. So picture the humanity of this moment. The shepherds have left. And now Joseph and Mary are with a baby. Let's pick the story up. Verse 21 says, And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel, before he was conceived in the womb. 
Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves are two young pigeons. So let's stop there for a second. So eight days have passed. So now they're going to make a, a trip into Jerusalem. So I would say with a newborn baby, and I don't know if... Um, I think probably they took the donkey and left the Mustang in the garage because it sounds like that's how they got to Bethlehem. So they're probably taking a trip as if we were to drive down to Columbus State in Cincinnati. They went into Jerusalem eight days later with a baby. And it's interesting. This is God with us. This is Emmanuel. And yet they are going to follow the Jewish traditions outlined in the Old Testament by God for all newborn babies. And they're going to follow the law. So remember this, Jesus himself, God in the flesh came, and he is now fulfilling the law. He's fulfilling the law. So they bring the child before, and it mentions here that they do a sacrifice and it mentions a pair of turtle doves are two young pigeons. So this gives us another glimpse of how humbly Jesus came into the world. If we go back to Leviticus and we look at this time, this sacrifice, this offering, it actually states that the parents shall take a yearling lamb along with a turtle dove. They didn't do that. And if you look in Leviticus, the reason they didn't do that is that, but if the family cannot afford or they don't have the means to offer the sacrifice of a lamb, then they can do two turtle doves or two pigeons. Joseph and Mary, they didn't have the money or the means to offer a lamb. You see even the connection there, the lamb of God, and the sacrifice of a lamb and how God created all that and knit that together. But Joseph and Mary don't have the means to offer that sacrifice. So humbly you came to the world you created. Very humble beginnings. They had to struggle to get by if that's the case. Um, part of what I want you guys to think about is if life was that lean for Joseph and Mary and they didn't have an abundance of money, we know from the Bible tells us that Joseph was a carpenter. And if you look at the actual original uh, text in, in the Greek, a carpenter would be more translated as a builder because back in that time, Bethlehem, Jerusalem, there was wood, there were trees, but there was an abundance of rocks. And that's why so many of the buildings and stuff were made out of bricks and rocks and they cut. So Joseph was a builder. He worked with his hands. And I imagine if things were this lean and they took this long journey for days, probably between four and seven days to get to Bethlehem, he wasn't working. <laughs> so they're trying to get by. I imagine 
just like many of us have to do. He had to pick up his hammer. He had to get his tools, and he had to go out and work and try to make provisions for Mary and for Jesus. You know, sometimes after the holidays, we get disappointed when we got to go back to school. Like, are you kidding me? I just need one more month after that. Um, and then many of us go, go back to work. Some of us get a break around the holidays. Some of us who are working in retail and different things, you immediately go right back to it. It's like today, retail, everybody's returning half the stuff they got for Christmas, and it's crazy. So Joseph probably had to go back to work immediately. And Mary has a newborn baby, and so she's now taking care of a baby physically. And she couldn't just open up the fridge and get out a bunch of milk and food. And uh, it wasn't easy. The process to prepare a meal for your family was constant work. It was from scratch, practically. So all these things are taking place. They're living a common life. Very common. All right, let's pick the story up. Verse 25, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So if we look at that, basically the consolation of Israel is another way to say that Simeon was waiting for the comforter. He was waiting for the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. So think about this. Mary and Joseph come into the temple. Simeon feels the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I better go to the temple today. He goes within the temple because he was prompted by the Holy Spirit. And now... So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God, and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. <clears throat> for my eyes have seen your salvation that's how he described Jesus' salvation. Which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. <clears throat> None of us get too excited when we talk about death, when we talk about our life ending, but it's part of life. It's part of what happens. And Simeon had been told by the Holy Spirit he had to be old, okay? He had to be in the final stages of his life, the last chapters, and he had to be in a frail final state. And yet the Lord told him, so you know what? You're not coming home to me until you get to see the Savior. And he believed that. And the moment that he got to pick up baby Jesus and hold him, he said, now... I get to go in peace. You know, some of my Catholic friends would always use the term, um, and some of them would pray when I was growing up that you would, you might get a happy death. And I was like, what the world is a happy death? 
And, and I kind of like the saying, and, I, and I, I've even used it now, even understanding things differently. You know, there's a lot of ways that we can go out of this world. Some are a lot worse than others. And uh, he's not afraid. He's getting to see baby Jesus, and he's like, oh, no, I'm dead now. No. He goes, now I can go in peace. I got to see the Savior. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. Let's read on. Verse 33, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them. I want you to pick up on this part. Joseph and Mary are together, but it says that he said to Mary his mother, isolated Mary in this moment. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Simeon's telling Mary that this child, this savior, he's gonna cause a lot of people to stumble and fall and lose their way. And you're like, whoa, 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 what's that mean? It means some people are gonna reject Jesus. And when they reject Jesus, their disagreement with the things that he said and the message of grace and hope and the gospel that he shared, some people not only rejected it, but they despised it. And many sought to kill him and take his life. That's how passionately they stumbled over Jesus and they missed who he was. And it's that others, others will be, um, this, this child is designed for the rising of many. And what does that rising mean? You know, throughout all of the Old Testament, so many of the biblical scholars and people who awaited the Messiah, they interpreted everything they read in the Bible that when Jesus came, that they were going to have an earthly kingdom change. You know, the Jewish people, I want you to think about this for a minute. The Jewish people have been persecuted from the very beginning of time. From Egypt to where they were slaves, we go through history, they were conquered, they were battled. At this particular time in Jesus, they were under Roman rule. They had to pay taxes, they had to do those things. If we go into the modern era, the Jews were um, taken over by many nations and fought battles. If you have any familiarity at all with World War II, it's almost uncomprehendable what happened to the Jews. Why is that? Because Satan hates the Jewish people. He hates them because he knew that the seed of David, a savior, would rise up from the Jewish nation. So he hates them. And we are gonna continue to see persecution against the Jewish nation until God comes again. In fact, Revelation is full of all kinds of things where basically the whole world is going to come down on Jerusalem. But yet, they will stand. But yet, they will stand. Again, picture, let's pick back up here at verse um, 35. Simeon's looking at Mary and he says, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. 
that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mary couldn't possibly know at that point what that really meant, but she pondered these thoughts, and I know that the Lord brought these words, this prophecy of Simeon back to her life. We know later on in life that Mary was at the cross of Jesus as he was crucified. And after Jesus had said, it is finished, and he gave up his life, even though he was dead, that it says a soldier took a sword and pierced his side, and that water and blood poured out. Can you imagine, as a mother, seeing that happen to your child? Simeon said, your, your own soul is also going to be pierced in that moment. That is to come. Um, turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. <clears throat> All right, some backup to this passage here. The time that we just read where Jesus was in the temple and Simeon came to him, probably if we go by the traditions of Jewish history, it was probably about 40 days or so when he was in the temple. There's tons of conversation about how old was Jesus when the wise men came. I'm not going to get in that today because uh, oh, scholars disagree on it. I will tell you this. He was definitely younger than two years of age because when Herod wanted to kill the baby, Jesus, he said all the baby's two years and, and younger. And... I think he probably did that to make sure, let's not make any mistakes. You know, he wanted to make sure he captured baby Jesus. So, you know, I personally feel Jesus was probably a year or less old. We don't know for sure. Don't get hung up on that. But let's pick the story up. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. This picks up right after the moment when the wise men did come to the house where Jesus and Joseph and Mary were living. So they're in a house at this time. And the wise men came. Picture this moment as parents of having these wise, rich rulers who traveled from a long, far distance. And they probably came with a huge caravan. And the Bible tells us that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they presented these to Jesus. And these mighty, wise, rich kings, we understand that they bowed and they worshiped the baby. And as we sang the other night and talked about it a little bit, I imagine there was a hallelujah that was raised at that moment. This was a powerful, significant moment. And then that's where we pick the story up. So this happens. It's been a great day. It would probably be like uh, Christmas of all Christmases where the whole family's together. There's all kinds of gifts. There's loud music. Everything is going on. It's a great day. You go to bed. You're tired after everything that's happened. And that's where the story picks up. Now, when they had departed, being the wise men, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take up the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. 
And when he rose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and they departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I called my son. So sometimes in life we're like, how could this happen to me? How could this be going on? This is what I want you to get a picture of. This is the son of God miraculously born to Mary a virgin. And Mary and Joseph are taking care of the baby of Jesus, the baby Jesus, the, the mighty Emmanuel. And Joseph, after this beautiful moment with the wise men, they all go to bed. They're probably exhausted. Everybody's out. And Joseph has the most vivid dream. Begin. An angel speaks to him and says, get up and get the family out because Jesus' life is in danger. So picture this. Let's, let's take this moment and think about it. You're sound asleep. Everything's good. Joseph says, Mary, get up. We're bugging out, man. We're bugging out. We got to get out of here. Pack, pack a few things and we got to go. And it says they left in the middle of the night. Think about that for a minute. The son of God. The son of God. Mary and Joseph have been put in charge to raise this child. And they have to grab the necessities that they need to get by. And they have to sneak out of town in the middle of the night. Does that sound like how you would write this story? Not at all. But I want you to get a glimpse of sometimes when we get that knock on the door, sometimes when we get that call, sometimes when that friend stops by, when that coworker comes over to your desk and says, hey, this is what's happening, and you're like, how can this be happening? What is going on? That's what happened. That's what happened. So now they have to bug out. They have to get out in the middle of the night. Here's another parallel in the beauty of Scripture. Israel, as a young nation, went into Egypt. And they grew up and they eventually became slaves of the Egyptians. And we know that God brought them out of Egypt. So Jesus is sent to Egypt as a young child. And then history tells us, it's not in the Bible, but history tells us that Herod died probably around 4,000 BC. So Jesus is probably somewhere in the area of four years old. And Joseph revealed that, hey, Herod's dead. Ding dong, king's dead. <laughs> it's safe now. You can get out of here. And Jesus is taken out of Egypt into a land where he can share the gospel. <clears throat> um, I'm going to just reference this instead of turn into it today, but, you know, that seems like such a dramatic thing to happen to Jesus. And sometimes we don't understand why things happen into our lives. Now, what I'm going to talk about, it does not say this specifically in the Bible. I can't show you chapter and verse, but I can show you the evidence of the most obvious scenario that probably happened. And some of you are going to go, what? So somewhere between Jesus being 12 years old, leaving his parents 
and staying in the temple and talking to all the religious leaders and the wise people. Sometime between there and likely when he began his earthly ministry when he was 30 years old, if not at the time of his death, Joseph's not in the picture. He's not mentioned anywhere at all after that. It says, and I, and I kind of thought when I was studying this, I wonder if that's why Simeon only talked to Mary. Because maybe it wasn't going to apply to Joseph because he wasn't going to be there to see his son pierced through. And you're going to go, what? And then when Jesus started his earthly ministry and his first miracle that he performed was when he turned the water into wine. And the only mention is his mom kind of making him do that. Mary says, oh, come on, <laughs> got to make this happen. He goes, it's not my time. She goes, yeah, go ahead, just do it. And so it, it kind of started. There's no mention of Joseph. And then if we go to the cross, and at the cross, and as Jesus is hanging on the cross, it look, he looks down and it says that his mother is there. And Jewish tradition and family tradition and common sense would tell us this statement would have not been said if Joseph was alive. And he looked at his mom, Mary, and it says he looked at his beloved disciple who he loved, which was John, and he said, basically, Mom, behold your son. And John, behold your mom. Take care of each other. Watch over my mom. And it says that John took Mary in and took care of her after that. And then we have examples of where Mary was in the upper room and in different places later in life. So when we look at the context of the scripture, and you're going to say Jesus was miraculously sent to earth, and somewhere in his life, his earthly father died? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think the Bible makes it clear that Joseph wasn't around during that part. Isn't that, isn't that an odd statement? I think sometimes I'm guilty of this. So I know that we all are guilty of this at times. Just as people in the Old Testament missed seeing that the Messiah was coming to redeem their souls and not set up an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom. Sometimes we're guilty of thinking, well, I trust God. I love him. I try to do the right things. I walk with him. Why would this ever happen in my life? And again, it's because this kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, and our future is not of this world. It's not an easy thing to swallow sometimes. To think that Mary's husband, Joseph, died when the Savior of the world was in their lives, doesn't that just sit differently with you? But I want you to remember, as Pastor Dallas just shared with us, God doesn't look at time the way we look at time. Whether it's seven years, 70 years, 97 years, it's a blip in eternity. So when I look at life here and I think I'm getting shortened by someone being called home or me losing a loved one, 
God looks at it differently. God was always concerned. The reason he sent a Messiah, the reason he sent his own son to die was not to set up an earthly kingdom, but it's that people might find salvation and that they might have a moment where they just pause and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you. I believe in who you are. I know you love me so much that you died for me. And right now I pray and accept you into my heart. And from there, that's why Jesus came. I don't understand why God calls certain people home. I don't understand why some people go through more in their lifetime as far as difficulty than I can even imagine at times. I understand that. But I do have a hope in Jesus. And I trust him. In closing, let's turn to one last passage. Romans chapter 15, verses 12 through 13. You know, I was thinking about this, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of a private person about certain things, and uh, Pastor Dallas has encouraged me. So, you know, be real, <laughs> be transparent. So, for that reason, I think I'd share this with you guys. This, uh, just this past month alone, Lori has a brother who is told on his birthday that he has uh, terminal cancer and there's nothing they can do for him. So he's probably, probably not going to see uh, a long life after this point. So then um, my youngest of two sisters uh, went into the hospital Christmas week and when I went over to City Hospital on Christmas Eve and I spent some time with her and I prayed with her, she looked at me and she goes, it, it doesn't look good. She goes, I'm waiting for the test results. She goes, but I, I don't think there's going to be an opportunity for me to get better. And so we prayed and uh, I told my sister as we prayed and we reminded, I said, you know, ultimately, whether you're here in the hospital and you're facing cancer or whether you're walking down the street. Honestly, our lives are in God's hands. So I said, we'll trust God for that. Then my brother, <laughs> who in Michigan, he also spent Christmas in the hospital. It looks like his kidneys are failing. And uh, they did almost like an emergency dialysis on him and starting to try to get his kidneys to respond. Then my brother's grandson which would be my great nephew, he's only 18 years old. And they still had Christmas with my brother's family because they're afraid he won't make it till the time my brother gets out of the hospital. Those are real world hurts. It's real life. It's life. And again, I'll be honest, I would prefer to be private about that, but I know that God has a reason for all of us here today to think that Joseph was called out of his life with the person that gives life. God had that power. Now, let's read these verses and then we'll close. Romans 15, verses 12 through 13. And again, as Isaiah says, 
There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles shall hope. The root of Jesse, Jesse was David's father, and we know that David was in the lineage of Jesus. In him, the Gentiles shall hope. Verse 13, now may the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise team, if you would come up. I don't understand why a lot of those things happen. I, I can't imagine in the life of Jesus why his earthly father would be called out of this life. I understand that. But I don't have to. I do know this. I know no matter what we face in life, no matter what happens, that if we know who Jesus is and the power of his forgiveness and the power of salvation, it doesn't matter what we face, there's still joy. I was talking to a dear brother and sister um, and they, they both got COVID in November and uh, she got it so bad that she spent 25 days in the hospital said she almost died twice but you know what he said <laughs> and I gotta tell you they're godly people they love the Lord and he said I found goodness and I'm thankful that we got sick like that. And I know that sounds ridiculous to a lot of you. But he said, God showed us a lot of things. And he goes, and we got closer with him through this experience. Things don't always work out like we planned. Even Jesus and his earthly parents, they lived a life just like we did at times where things don't make sense, where they have to endure, when they have to hold on, where they have to fight to get by, just like we do. And I know sometimes things don't go the way we want them to. And sometimes there are hurts that overtake us that we're like, how could this ever happen to me and why is it happening? I know God can and often will make a way when there is no way. The power of prayer. He said, the only reason my wife is alive is because countless people were praying and God intervened. If God did not intervene, is he any less God? He's not. He's not. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. Amen. Church family, those watching today, I hope this encourages you. I know it's kind of heavy, but I want you to think about Jesus came in the most humble way possible and he lived a life much like we do. And there were hurts and there were things that don't make sense and they were difficult. But just like Mary had to go through all those things, but she realized this is the son of God. This is the son of God and he's with me. 
no matter what you're facing. When Jesus was called into heaven, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. But he says, I will send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And that moment where you say, Lord, I believe, save my soul and forgive me of my sins, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And life is never the same. It doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean you won't have hurts that only heaven will heal. But hope remains. Hope remains. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his Son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross and you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.